Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Finally, I'm happy to say welcome back to the Wild Wild Podcast. We've had a kind of a summer break, it feels like. Um, but uh, here we are. And uh, so my name is Adrian Smith. I'm very happy to introduce to you and welcome back to the show uh, erstwhile co-host Rod Barnett. Hello, everyone. Glad to be back. I think I stole the phrase erstwhile uh co-host from your podcast so apologies for <laughs> any copyright infringement there oh trust me um, if it's been said by me on any podcast i've stolen it from someone else <laughs> yes good point so um i thought it would be good before we sort of launch into our little mini season we've got going here as it's been a while uh we'd like to keep up to date on a few things so one thing that I've been noticing in the last couple of months since we were last on was how many cult, uh, in inverted commas, Italian movies, 88 films here in the UK, are um, releasing or announcing, mm-hmm. at least. And some real surprises. And the one that really caught my eye was the uh, 4K and Blu-ray release of one of your favourites, I know, Ark of the Sun God. I was absolutely shocked to see that. Uh, not just that it was getting released, but, you know, a 4K? Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> I know Margariti in 4K, even though, like, uh, at least more than half of his films are still not available on Blu-ray, some not even on DVD, uh, but now we're already pushing into 4K, which is kind of, it's exciting in some ways and also slightly frustrating that there are still others we can't get you know <laughs> oh i know some but, of the ones that some of his best films are just not available in digital format yeah. at all it's it's insane but i like the um and if anyone has seen this online the cover i think i might have tweeted this the uh the artwork it looks like graham humphrey's artwork for the uh for the release with the uh, with our favorite luigi Pagosi right there on the front with his uh with his pag beard uh, oh, you mean the, uh, yeah. you mean uh, Luciano Pagosi? Oh, sorry, I just said Luigi. I've got Luigi on the brain. <laughs> Luciano Pagosi Luciano with his pa- with, with his pag beard on the front cover there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's exciting. But they also they've announced a, a new restoration of Whip and the Body. So I'm sure lots of people will be quite pleased to hear about that. Yes, definitely. Um, since no one's been completely pleased with most of the Blu-rays that have come out of that film so yeah. far. And they're also doing, I think it's going to be in 4K, uh, Tentacles. <laughs> Which, so, yeah, I have tried so hard to like that movie. <laughs> I really have. I mean, yeah, for me, it's all about Shelley Winter's hat. I, I, I get uh, it. I really do. It's, it's the hat is the whole. Yeah, it's a, such an odd film uh, with very little tentacle action. I think there are more tentacles 
in the box artwork uh, than in the film. I just I, I love watching it, trying to ascertain whether or not Henry Fonda knew what the film he was making was actually about. Yes. And I have my doubts. So. Mm, yeah, no, me too. Uh, so, yeah, so 88 films are really uh, knocking it out of the park uh, these days. They've also, I mean, a film I've never seen, actually. I think they're doing it in 4K as well, The Hell of the Living Dead. Do you know much about that film? Oh my, yes. <laughs> That's a Bruno Mattai joint. Um, oh, it's Bruno Mattai. Yeah, I, I, don't get me wrong. Uh, in the right mood, <clears throat> Bruno Mattai films can be an absolutely entertaining bit of uh, 90 to, to, to you know 100 minutes of, of film joy. A lot of people would specify Hell of the Living Dead as as one of his more entertaining, <laughs> but entertaining in the wrong way films. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was thinking of the shark one that a lot of people have an affection for. Um, is that Deep Blood? Is that one? That one here? Oh, God, Scott, is that it? him? See, I lose track yeah. because one of the things that um, Bruno Mattai began to do incredibly heavily, especially in the 90s. I mean, he was already doing it in the 80s, don't get me wrong. But by the 90s, there was less of, less of an attempt to hide the fact that that he was getting money to do productions that were essentially just complete ripoffs of 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 Hollywood films and by ripoffs I don't mean movies that were inspired by a hit Hollywood film I mean movies where you could see there you could sit there and and put the two movies side by side and go holy crap it's the same movie and it got kind of weird especially in the 90s when um I ended up getting a bootleg <clears throat> forgive me people bootlegs yes uh, uh I, what I, what i don't know i don't even know what that is <laughs> well i ended up getting a bootleg no of a bruno matai film made in the uh sometime in the late 90s and i started watching it and i realized that it was it was nothing more than a remake of the nicholas cage film eight millimeter i mean oh. with just a gender flip on the main character that was the only difference uh, okay. Well, that and the fact that I think eight millimeter is a piece of garbage, but uh, the, <laughs> I think it's a I, I think it's a terrible yeah. film. I think it is I think it is unintentionally hilarious. And so watching Bruno Mattai make uh, make a uh, basically a complete remake in Italian of uh, right. an unintentionally hilarious ca- Cage film from the nineties was uh, honestly it's unforgettable. So on about a tenth of the budget, I would imagine. Oh, if that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so I mean, I guess with any of his, Joe D'Amato is, is often put into the same sort of bracket as Bruno Mattei. When you've made that many films, yeah, some of them are going to be entertaining, some of them are going to be massive clunkers, and you kind of just take your uh, your life into your own hands as you go into those things. <laughs> yes. But it's interesting that again, Bruno Mattei in 4K. I know. Um, I. I believe 88 films have also just uh, doing uh, Cannibal Holocaust as well, I think. Are Again, they? and in 4K. Somebody's done Cannibal Holocaust in 4K. I think it was 88. I don't know. I've lost track. Oh, no. But anyway, they, they uh, yes. But again, it'll be in the UK. It will be the um, slightly trimmed Cannibal Holocaust rather than the full strength Cannibal Holocaust, which... Oh. I guess you know, but some people would prefer that anyway. But uh, I know we've we don't need to talk about. It. We've talked a lot about Cannibal Holocaust before, so let's not <laughs> yes. let's not dwell on that. Um, but anyway, so there you go. So that's all the the kind of latest interesting news that I'd picked up on. Is there anything that you want to mention, Rod, or any anything that you've been involved with that's recently come out or been announced? Um, nothing new that has been announced. There are a number of things on the burners. But they mm. can't be talked about quite yet. Um, I can say I can say that one thing that I've been involved with has been delayed uh, because uh, the, the they're they're searching for uh, full length cuts of of particular films and things like that, and oh, so there have been delays, and become it becomes even more important to not talk about them while these things are going on. Yeah. Now, without giving anything away, is this the one that you told me about off air? where you noticed that the version of the film they were using was not complete. Yes. Where I, ah, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Where, I, where, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, Oh God, where, where is all the sleaze? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a bit of a yes. shocking moment. And luckily the, the response from the company in question was exactly what I would hope, which was, Whoa, 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 
Where is all the, <laughs> wait, yeah, wait, 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 where is all the sleaze? So, <laughs> they needed their sleaze detective to, uh, <laughs> to, to pick up on these things that everyone oh. else had clearly missed. Oh, no, I don't know that I want to be known as the sleeve, sleaze detective. That's, that's I mean, well, that's a good, that, that's got a, that's got a ring to it. Uh, well, I will admit that that is true, but uh... <laughs> I'd watch that movie. I'm sure. I'm sure. And and it sounds like something Andy Sedaris would have already made. Oh, all I'm picturing is that scene at the end of Cannibal uh, of uh, Cannibal Holocaust, where the people who've been watching all this found footage just you know walk out walk out onto a, a New York City street, <laughs> kind of try to kind of trying to clear their mind of the filth that they've yeah. been watching that's that's what i'm thinking about oh yeah yes um well that, yeah good well okay so um and of course in terms of things that haven't been announced yet that also includes a project that you and i were involved with but uh, hopefully will be announced soon very true, um, very true oh one other thing that i just remembered there's a new company appeared seemingly out of nowhere uh in the uk called treasured films Hmm. They have a face. They have a Facebook page, but not an active website yet, as far as I can see. And there, uh, there, it's a. I don't know how there's any more sort of room in the market for this, but they're launching a brand new boutique company, and the first film that they're doing is Margarita's The Last Hunter. Oh yeah, I did read about that. That's yeah. True. yeah. And they, uh, the I found out about this. They got in touch with me through my Margarita blog, which is sadly uh neglected of late um because i'd written about the margariti documentary that his son eduardo made about 10 years ago mm -hmm. and so they're including that with um with english subtitles so that'll be the first english friendly release of that documentary Excellent. on this uh, on this blu-ray which is quite exciting because before i think it was made it's only been available i think in japan and germany um so the version that i watched was a sort of fan subbed version so so that's quite cool that's a great documentary about an hour long um luigi cozy is uh in there a lot as he is in pretty much every documentary you watch these days mm -hmm. um but also of course eduardo and, and various other people so yeah so we're suddenly being spoiled with uh margariti um goodness um but anyway so that brings us to the uh, reason we're here which is uh, Luigi Cozzi, uh, or Cozy Cozzi. I'm, I guess I'm going to say it either way, all the way through, I think. Well, I did notice uh, that he, I've now heard him pronounce his own name, and it is, he, oh, yes. he, he does pronounce it Cozzi. So. Yeah, Cozzi. So anyway, we'll just call him Luigi, our old friend Luigi. That'll do. And um, so we're going to do a little mini season here as an excuse, really, to talk about Luigi Cozzi. We've already covered uh one of his films or two of his films one i think we did star crash away a while ago yeah a while back and uh, so this is an excuse to talk about him a bit more and focus on some films that are not likely to fit into a specific season anytime soon so i picked um some films pretty much just because i wanted to do them um and those are the first film that we're going to talk about. And this will be our first giallo of the podcast. So that's another reason to, to bring it in. Is his film The Killer Must Kill Again. Uh, also known as Il Ragno or The Spider. And we can talk about how appropriate that is or not. Uh, Italian title, I'll have a go. L'assassino e costretto ad uccidere ancora. I think I stumbled over uccidere. But... <laughs> Anyway, uh, The Killer Must Kill Again. So this is Luigi Cozzi, 1975. And um, 1975, according to uh, your the friend of your show, Troy Howarth, mm -hmm. friend, to, friend to all of us in many ways, according to his book, there were 13 giallos out in 1975. Um, Rod, quick pub quiz question. Can you tell me which is probably the most famous giallo? that came out in 1975. Oh, it would have to be Profundo Russo, Deep Red. Hey, well done. Very good. That is correct. Uh, you could have said, the police are blundering in the dark. I would have also let you have that one. But, <laughs> I uh... <laughs> don't know that that would be one of the best. No, no. <laughs> oh, have you seen that? Oh, yes. Dear, it's... Yes, I have. It is not yeah. very good, but I have seen it. Now, that one is in one of those uh, Forgotten Jally box sets. And it made me wonder why, when I was watching this, 
this feels like a forgotten jelly. I know it's had a it had a DVD release. I think Mondo Macabro a few years ago. I think, but this is certainly one that I would like to see end up in one of those box sets or a similar. I agree sort of with you. It's it's a it's an exceptional film, and it's very easy to categorize yeah. into the to the giallo uh, group of grouping. But I have to admit that I think that this movie, and we can talk about this whenever, but it, it seems it breaks a lot of the the standardized rules uh, of mm. the giallo pretty hard and heavy. And I think that it, it it's it's impressive for that, and it also benefits the movie quite a bit, that it kind of yeah. nods its head at the, the conventions of the genre and then kind of deviates from them in really interesting ways. Uh, yeah, kind of, and what's even more surprising? I've always, you know, came out in nineteen seventy-five. I always thought of it as fitting perfectly into nineteen seventy-five, as far as you know, that being kind of the period of time when you would start to see people probably getting bored with uh, making yeah. the same kind of films. But it actually was shot in seventy-three. Oh right. Oh, good point. Which is weird. I mean, that means that. Uh, People, people were already thinking we've really got to shake this genre up a little bit, even earlier yeah. than I would have considered probable. So, mm. yeah, because by seventy-five, and obviously Deep Red, which is sort of like the culmination of all all Jallo films rolled into one. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there's a couple of other notable ones like that uh, that year, like Suspicious Death of a Minor, yes, and um, Strip Nude for Your Killer, which is almost a kind of spoof Jallo. It is so, that kind of. strip nude for your killer is almost like it was constructed to be the sleaziest film humanly imaginable. So yes, <laughs> while well, the sleaze detective would know. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, oh, well. I'm leaning. <laughs> I'm leaning into that designation. Aren't I? Um, so this was Luigi Cozzi's second uh, feature film as director, but he I mean, he had such an interesting um, career and. Obviously, once we uh, when we do get to talk to him in a, in a couple of weeks or so, we can ask him a few things about that. But um, he'd already made by this point uh, a kind of experimental feature film called uh, Tunnel Under the World, mm-hmm. um, which is really fun. We actually get a glimpse of that in this movie, uh, which was interesting. But he also made an episode. He made a like a Jallo style uh, thriller, uh, an episode for an Italian TV show. Um, his episode was called The Neighbor and um, but he'd also I think by this point perhaps more significantly he'd been writing he wrote Four Flies on Grey Velvet and he had a hand in writing The uh, Cat of Nine Tales um, he also another just actually another release we've just had mentioned by Severin is they're doing um, Dario Argento's The Five Days the Cinque Giornata on 4K, and Luigi Cozzi was involved in writing that as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was. So with those making his second feature film here, and it does feel like a very. It feels like you're in the hands of somebody who's who knows what they're doing, and it's because he spent these years working with people like Argento, uh, writing and making really interesting stuff. And even before that, through the 60s, he was um, a science fiction writer mainly, and he set up. Apparently he established um, Italy's first fanzine called Futuria Fantasia and he was publishing his own short stories and so he was very creative, he was making lots of short films as well on Super 8 and all the kind of stuff that that people do so, you know, by uh, by 1973 when he's actually making this film he's been incredibly prolific and creative for a good 10 years and so although so the film in some ways like you said because it's sort of shaking things up a bit it feels quite fresh like it's not the hundredth film from uh, somebody who's just been churning these things out every week yeah but also it does show i think a lot of sort of you know somebody who's very assured behind the camera somebody who really feels like they know what they're doing it does, and it's always been a shock to me because I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide this. I've always I came to the Killer Must Kill Again when it came out on um, on a DVD from Mono Macabro back in the early 2000s, and uh, it was a great introduction to the film because you know you don't have you're not you're not looking at it through gauze on some bootleg somewhere, and also there's some extras to give it context and to make you understand what the heck you're what you know you know kind of the under you understand what you're looking at and how it came to be, and that's great. 
But what mm. what, it, what what struck me was that I had already kind of pegged Luigi Cozzi as a uh, uh, a filmmaker who I might enjoy the movies, but I wasn't going to think were let's just say I wasn't going to put them on the same plane as say the thrillers made by Argento or Bava. But after, you know, because by that time I had seen films like, uh, you know, his Hercules movies and star crash. And it's like, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I I love those movies, but they do not inspire within you the desire to uh, see this man's work from, you know, from birth to death. They, they make, they make you think, they make you think that, well, when I come across one of these, I, I need to, you know, crack open a beer and have myself a good time, but the killer <laughs> yeah. must kill again. I still to this day feel that it is his most assured, most, most, most well-directed and just solid piece of thriller uh, yeah. concoction. I think he's, it's, it's such a good movie and it is such a great kind of jumping off point for uh, any director that he he really deserves to be proud of this film, and it points out to me that I really need to pay more attention to the fact that there are a couple of his movies made right after this that uh, I have still never seen, and I I need to kind of think about getting my hands on one day just to uh, just to see you know kind of maybe the the growth or how he changed from uh, you know the, the the filmmaker who would uh, far from aping his. Uh, his collaborator Argento, he seemed to be wanting to like use the the things that he learned from people like working with with you know with, from working with Argento to do something that kind of took left took left and right turns from it, while still being something tight and really entertaining. Yeah, and isn't it interesting? I suppose maybe because it did come a bit late in the cycle, but this was his only Jallo. And you yeah. sort of wonder why that was when other directors were, like I said, just knocking them out uh, every week. And he could—he he seems to be so uh, confident in the thriller uh, format that it's surprising that he didn't really do that again. I suppose the closest he got was something like uh, Paganini Horror or The Black Cat later on, but those are much more sort of fantastical compared to this, where yeah. this is just yeah. quite nihilistic but very well constructed. And um, yeah, it does make you want to let you said that he made a couple of films straight after this, mm-hmm. but neither of those are, are Jallos. One is a sort of sex comedy mm-hmm. that is out there, but it's only available in Italian with no, I can't find any subtitles to it, which is a shame because I wanted to do that one. That one's called La Portiera Nuda, yeah. or the, Na- the Naked Porter. And I thought, oh, we could do that because no one ever talks about that one, but now I know why. Um, and then he did a, he did another one called the the last concert, which actually stars Richard Johnson, who right. did his who was doing knocking around Rome for most of the seventies, but that one doesn't seem to be available anywhere, as far as I can see. So uh, so yeah, so the killer must kill again and again. Just you know, DVD release about twenty years ago, and that's it. It's it seems like Luigi's career pre Star Crash has been pretty much just ignored uh, commercially ever since, which is sort of a shame. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a shock, especially when there mm-hmm. is, I mean, there is evidence in a, a Region 1 DVD release of this particular film that should point people toward, you know, it at the very yeah. least. I wonder, I wonder yeah. what, the world, what in the world is going on. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So shall we dig into the movie? So we've got, uh, it's such an interesting plot. Um, it starts out as kind of strangers on a train, uh, and I felt at first like, oh, this is very, uh, this is very Hitchcock. It feels almost like Brian De Palma doing Hitchcock. It's so close yeah. to Hitchcock in yeah. the first few minutes, but then it spins off into something else. Uh, George Hilton. I don't know if we've talked about him on the podcast before, but uh, what a cool guy he is. He's obviously kind of. Uh, Jallo and Italian genre cinema royalty. Mo- yes. Do you sure. have any? Do you have any favorites of uh, George Hilton films? Oh man, uh, favorites? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, a lot of people will point to um, the the spaghetti westerns he was involved in. But I'll be honest, yeah. uh, as much as much, don't, don't get me wrong, he's he's always he's great in every film I've ever seen him in. Don't get me wrong, he's always. At past a certain point in his career, which I think would have been, you know, kind of the mid to late '60s, everybody knew exactly how to cast this guy. 
because yeah. there's so he's so good at so many types of things and he seems to be able to pull it off on screen but my favorite films of his aren't the spaghetti westerns they they are those giallos the things that he's you know he's known for both but this films like strange vice of mrs ward and a case of the scorpion's tail all the colors of the dark those are the movies that i think of um, yeah the case of the bloody iris i i i i think he is He's just one of those perfect actors for those types of movies because he is, in some weird way, just capable of getting across um, both a certain uh, sincerity when he wants to, but also the the feeling that there's probably a lot more going on behind his eyes, and that may be good for you or it may be bad for you. And he's just exceptional at this. Plus, I mean, he's a very handsome man, and the camera loves him. Yeah. Yeah, I went to. I think I had dinner with him once. Hmm. Um, I think. Really? <laughs> I, I went. Yeah, I think so. He died about three years ago. But I, back in 2015, I went to an academic conference in Rome that was based entirely around the strange vice of Mrs. Ward. Hmm. And um, and I the day I arrived, and it was so hot, and I was carrying my luggage, trying to find this restaurant where everybody was meeting. And uh, so I was a bit tired and I didn't really pay much attention. But he was there at the dinner <laughs> and we sat on the uh, sat outside on the street of the at this restaurant somewhere in Rome. And um, at that point, my as I've said before, I've come to Italian film quite late. So I didn't really appreciate who he was properly at the time. So, um, but yeah, he was there. Edwidge Fennec was supposed to be there as well, but she never turned up. Which was a shame, but uh, but yeah, he was there. So uh, he st- you know, seemed like he was quite a nice, approachable sort of guy. I didn't speak to him much. I think he did sign something for me. Maybe I can't even remember. I was so hot and exhausted. I didn't really. I wasn't fully appreciative of the uh, of the opportunity that I had there. But anyway, but yeah, he's great and he's very cool in this movie as this kind of uh, slick business guy who's actually in a lot of debt mm-hmm. and has married married a rich heiress um, wife uh, Norma and who um, I think she's Spanish isn't she I was wondering whether you had come across her in any of your, oh no she's Mexican oh, maybe not then I thought she was oh, Spanish oh the actress yeah um, Yeah, who plays the wife I don't know whether she'd done Spanish cinema or just Mexican cinema but uh, she um uh, Tere Velasquez, her name is. Oh yeah, oh I. I don't know that I have seen her, in. Um, well, let's let's put it this way. Um, I've seen a couple of movies that she was in, but I, right, I have yeah. to admit that I don't remember her as standout specifically. For instance, I've seen her yeah. in uh, a Santo movie, uh, uh, Santo and the Anonymous Death. But I don't specifically remember oh, yeah. her within it, which you know maybe. What a great name! Well, yeah, it's it's a Santo movie. I'm already distracted, so yeah. uh, I'm staring. Because this is a uh, it's a Spanish uh, co-production, so like half the cast it appears. Oh, it's a Spanish French co-production. Yeah. So aside from George Hilton, most of the other cast are Spanish or Mexican in her case, or um, I think our killer, he's uh, French with such an unusual face but um yeah and the and the police inspector he was spanish so but that, that was happening a lot i guess wasn't it with these films in the 70s there's a lot of spanish crossover with these uh and the Sp- spanish were making their own jello type films as well anyway Okay, why don't we get into the plot here a little bit? But because this is a film that I think maybe a lot of people may not have seen, I don't want to spoil too much of it. But 
we can certainly because there, there are so many interesting twists and turns that I don't want to give too much away. But we could certainly begin with the setup, which I mentioned before is very uh, Hitchcockian. Um, so George Hilton then with his wife, they live in an amazing, what looks like a yellow plastic box. <laughs> it's a very kind of 70s uh, futuristic, everything is shiny and plastic apartment that they live in, which was, which I liked a lot. It reminded me of, well, there's a lot of Jallo films on there with uh, where everyone's very futuristic looking in their, their houses. Uh, maybe I like that a lot because here in the UK we all still tend to live in Victorian houses. So uh, I thought that was particularly cool. And also, of course, uh, yellow. The whole thing was yellow, which I'm sure was not a coincidence. Uh, yeah, according to uh, the commentary track that was included on the old Mondo DVD, that was not a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> He's got this wife, they're arguing about uh, money and also women because his wife suspects him of having an affair because a woman keeps ringing their house. I think, is he an architect or something? He's got some sort of business and um, claims that it's just a client and, and all this. But anyway, he is sick of his wife and basically just wants her money, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. So he goes. he goes off for a drive while he's in a huff. And then he drives to the uh, what looks like the local shipping canal and um, witnesses a man uh, with a dead woman in his trunk getting her out and putting her into the driver's seat. And he then proceeds to push the car into the canal, which, crucially, it doesn't sink all the way. It reminded me of Psycho. I don't know, again, if that's a coincidence or not. But the... In, you know, in Psycho, when he's he's put the car with Marion Crane in the boot and then he puts it into the swamp and it gets stuck halfway, it doesn't sink all the way down. And, and in, yeah. So I don't know whether that's a reference to Psycho or not, but the car doesn't sink. It's still there at the end of the movie. Which, if you're trying to get rid of a body, that doesn't seem to be particularly smart. <laughs> but then, this is not the smartest... Uh, well, as it's either not a very smart killer or, as uh, Troy points out, he's just very unlucky. I think that his lack of luck is what I would lean into with a description of this poor sucker because yeah. <laughs> uh, from from his steely nature and just his his determination and his very cold way in which he goes about what he's doing, I doubt this is the first person he's murdered and gotten rid no. of the body. Uh, this just feels like something that he has done. This feels like something he's done before, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's so it's so kind of farcical that you could, if they wanted to, they could have lent into the comedic potential of this film a bit more. Because it's almost like he's done a thing and he thinks he's done it. And then it's like, oh, what now? Something else has gone wrong. And you can almost hear a kind of wah, 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 wah on the soundtrack <laughs> as things just keep going wrong for this hapless uh, sleazy murderer. Once again, that's that's turning the kind of genre genre conventions on their head in yeah. a in a really interesting way because he seems, I mean, to look at him, you'd think he he would be this incredibly competent, very uh, machine like creature of death, and yet at every turn, circumstances yeah. just get in the way. I mean, one little mistake leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, yeah. until he's having to correct all these mistakes. It's it's yeah, it's, it's, it's like oh. Who have I got to kill now? Exactly. Um, and it, it reminds me, again, coming back to Hitchcock, it reminds me of Frenzy. And maybe this is also deliberate because Frenzy came out in 72. So that would yeah. be the year before Kotze was making this. Um, and there's that great scene in a very sort of black humour scene in Frenzy where the killer realises that he's left, uh, I think he re he's dumped a body in a sack and then put it on the back of a like a potato truck that's driving off into the country and he thinks hooray I've got rid of this body but then he remembers that he discovers the body's got his tie pin or something like there's a clue and he's got to go and get it and there's this hilarious scene of him wrestling around with this corpse on the back of this truck trying to get the uh, the thing out and there are potatoes bouncing off down the road it's played very much as sort of funny and, and but again that sort of reminded me of this this sort of hapless killer where stuff just doesn't he thinks he's got it. He's done this perfect crime, but this stuff keeps going wrong. Yeah. But um, so this is his first moment where things have gone wrong. There's a witness 
to him pushing this car into the into the water and so uh, George Hilton here Giorgio just watches the whole thing and then just walks up to the guy I mean if I was that guy if I was a murderer and somebody had witnessed me getting rid of the body wouldn't your first instinct be to just kill him and dump his body and in, chuck the, him in, in the canal there. as well yeah. exactly but instead he lights his cigarette and they have a nice chat um, which I thought was pretty funny so uh, could you summarize what Giorgio's uh, proposition is to this guy? Well, it's very simple, and you're right to to lean into the to the Hitchcock vibe because it because it is very similar to uh, although there's not a a crisscross kind of uh, you do one thing for you I do one thing for you and you do one thing for me situation yeah. like on like in Strangers on a Train, but it is a very similar vibe, which is look, um, I know that you've killed this person and sunk their body in the canal here. I will keep my mouth shut and I will even pay you if you will essentially do the same thing that you're obviously, you know, pretty hip, pretty hip to do pretty much involved with here. Seems like a hobby. (laughs) Not sure if you will do this, but if you just do it to someone that I specify, which would be my wife. And so uh, they have a couple of conversations, come to an agreement, and uh, there you go. And you got to say, uh, <laughs> you got to be impressed with the the, the, the clanking, gargantuan uh, gonads on the George Hilton character <laughs> who prances yeah. up to <laughs> this man he's just seen, you know, do away with the evidence of a murder mm-hmm. and says, hey, look, uh, yeah. business deal. Let's let's talk, but yeah, let's talk a, dis, a, a business deal here that will be yeah. mutually beneficial. Um, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That he would just think, "Hey, I he's he's clearly a man who, who's looking for opportunity," and uh, marrying this woman was presumably made for similar reasons, well, however long ago that was. Um, but yeah, then he uh, so they they make this agreement. But they need to meet together to, to plan it all out a bit more. But then I think he, he goes back home to his wife and he apologizes for the row they had earlier. And then they have this kind of psychedelic sex scene. Um, and then the next day, uh, George Hilton and our unnamed killer are just hanging out. They seem to be having a nice day together where they uh, they talk all the plans. Mm-hmm. And they, they go to an ice rink, which was kind of an interesting choice just sit and watching skaters whilst they talk through their evil scheme. Um, and then they go to the cinema, and this is where Cozy gets in his uh, some clips from his first movie, The Tunnel Under the World. Yeah. So we actually get to... Because that film is not available anywhere. I think it's been shown at some festivals, but it's you, you can't see that. So it's quite interesting to get some shots of that movie. Um, but then also there's a little cameo where Luigi Cozzi is actually playing the projectionist in the cinema which I thought was a nice touch. <laughs> and um, so they're watching this film and they're talking again, like planning it all out. It's going to be the perfect crime. Like what can go wrong? <laughs> it turn, turns out quite a bit. Everything. <laughs> so the film was going to be called The Spider. Who are we saying is the spider here? Well, see, that's a, that's a fantastic question because... To my imagination, it would be the George Hilton character who seems mm. to be, you know, who's, who's, um, I don't know, weaving a web, and but at the same time, maybe it's just the murderer because we don't learn anything about this murderer other than mm. he is this creature who's willing to 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 kill. Seems to, you know, seems to to do it on a regular basis and is willing to do it for money yeah and so the to me the spider doesn't really seem to be anybody in particular not one of the characters it seems to be the 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 circumstances of the crime itself and how that 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 crime itself is a web that catches everybody that comes anywhere near it and Mm -hmm. uh, like like i say i don't know that that's how kotsi would see it i think he sees one of the characters as quote-unquote the spider yeah. But the to me it is it, it's the the web is all you know is all the the tendrils of things that stretch out from that from well yeah. the, the the single crime the the, the 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 killing of the wife maybe it's greed itself 
Oh, that's a good uh, call. That's not bad. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Mm. There's a <laughs> there's a whole uh, whole essay that could be written on that one. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So 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 far, so Hitchcock. We get to the next night, and the murder is all kind of arranged. He's gone out, and he's told his wife, "Oh, a friend of mine from work is coming round, so let him in when he when he comes." And you know, so she does. So she lets this guy into the apartment, and he's got a headache, so she's gone off to get him a drink of water and some aspirin but of course when she comes back he's hiding around the corner and he uh, he makes one of his first of many mistakes which is to kill her using the phone cord from uh, because the whole thing is they're supposed to be pretending this is a kidnapping right i don't think we mentioned that right he wants uh georgia wants it to look like she's been kidnapped so if you're going to kidnap somebody you're then going to ring with your list of demands so how are you going to ring them and give them your demands if you've just ripped their phone out of the wall? So if you ask me, that was the first. Because <laughs> the, the, when the detective turns up, he's looking around going, mm, I don't know, this is a, if this is a kidnapping, they're rubbish at what they're, they're, what they're doing. Because they've made all these rookie errors, and that seems to be the first one, is you don't disable the phone of the house you're going to ring to ask for a ransom. So, but the, So the police are on the case pretty quick. Um, oh, but obviously before that, so he's killed the wife, and this is where another mistake occurs, which is <laughs> he just carries her. He's got his car outside, and he puts her in the boot. But then he just goes back in, but he leaves the keys in the ignition. Yes, I mean this is Rome. It's 1975. We've seen enough Poliziotteschi films to know that crime is rife in the big city. I mean, presumably that is how he's getting away with being a murderer. <laughs> In, that's true well, it's, it's not even rome it's uh it's oh sorry it's uh, milan, it's milan isn't it? yeah. we're in milan yeah, yeah, yeah. um and so also so, also rife <laughs> oh, yeah exactly i'm not saying i'm, I'm not i'm not downgrading the crime <laughs> level i'm just saying that the yeah. idea is that i'm uh, i'm going to assume uh one of the ways that the killer is getting away with not getting caught up to this point is that there is so much crime that either the cops are completely overwhelmed or yeah. he's just kind of hiding his murders in amongst all the other crimes that are being committed and I think it's probably a stolen car anyway, because I, I don't I don't think he seems to mind stealing cars. Um, but yeah, he's left the keys in the ignition, and then he goes back into the apartment to clean up, and he's getting rid of his uh, uh, fingerprints and all this kind of stuff. And then just the funniest thing, and I really like the way that this is done, is he walks out of the apartment, and we just cut to a wide shot, and the car isn't there. <laughs> I know, and the look on his face is... And he's just looking around great. like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's definitely the last thing he thought was going to happen. It's the last thing any of us expect, I think. Because like, when, when, before I watched this, I didn't read any plot synopsis at all. So Because in the plot synopsis of on the IMDb, it gives away the fact that uh, a thrill-seeking young couple steal the killer's car. So if you've read that, then you're just waiting for that to happen. But I genuinely hadn't read any of this. So when it happened, I was, I mean, again, if this film wanted to be a comedy, that's a good comedic moment. This the car is just gone. And this is the look on his face. Like what? Oh, it's just amazing that that is the jumping off point because that is the moment where this movie takes its, its first real hard left turn from what you're expecting of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's just so surprised. But then we, uh, so then we kind of cut to a young couple laughing as they drive away in the car, saying, "Oh yeah, it's dead easy to steal a car. You shouldn't leave your keys in a car," and having a great time. Ah <laughs> uh, dear, so that was pretty funny. So then he goes and steals another car, which sets off an alarm. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's, 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 wa- he's got he's got a chase yeah. after them. He's got a, He's know, waking he's up the whole. Back. He's waking up the whole street trying to hotwire this car and turn the alarm off. So the police are then that's where the police turn up because they just you know they come to investigate that and then they find the dead wife or the the missing wife I should say, and Giorgio is called and then the so Giorgio is back at home with the police, thinking this is all playing out exactly as I planned and the the kidnapping is gonna the kidnappers are gonna call and the the rich father in law is gonna get all the money together and as far as he's concerned this is all going great. Cut to. <laughs> our uh, nameless killer who we haven't named him have we antoine saint john 
Well, that's the actor's name, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the character is he never given. Is never named. Now he has got the most amazing cheekbones. Mm-hmm. Like his face is extraordinary. It almost looks like he's wearing a mask of a person. Like that can't be a real face. He he also reminded me a little bit of Joe Shishido. Do you know the Japanese actor from oh, yeah. uh, Brand from Branded to Kill? Mm-hmm. The guy that got uh, artificial cheekbones put in and <laughs> looks like a hamster. He <laughs> reminded me. Reminded me a bit of that. He's got such extraordinary cheekbones. They're like, um, you know, they're like Timothy Chalamet cheekbones. Like you could cut yourself if you uh, <laughs> got too close on those sharp cheekbones. But anyway, so he's got this amazing face. He looks like a, a Roman. Well, and, what's, uh, what's killing me is that I honestly thought just from the just from the, the kind of performance he puts in here and his his amazing facial features, just the, the way he looks, that he was going to be in a lot more films than i then it turns out that he was in so yeah uh, i mean he I, I i've seen him in ducky sucker and my name is nobody this film uh i don't remember him from the wind in the line the john melius film but oh, yeah. uh, that's only because i haven't seen it in forever but yeah. uh he's also he's also in fulci's beyond uh, oh yes he's the painter isn't he yeah At the beginning yeah He's the you know, he's got some painter. facial hair. Yeah, he's got some facial hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little, it's a little. Yeah, but by, it seems like by then he's just doing effectively quite small roles. I mean, this is a star role for him. Yeah, yeah. And the but thing then, is, apparently, he was a stage actor, and I right. suspect that the reason why his uh, his work on screen wasn't as extensive as I assumed it would be is because he was probably doing more stage work than you know yeah. than, than he was film work. Yeah, it's a shame because uh, he's quite such an extraordinary presence. So he's racing off into the night to try and figure out where he's gone. And I don't know how he does it, but he he's very good at direction and he gets it right straight away, like heads out to the main highway out of Milan. But he, he goes in the right direction and basically just follows this couple because they're driving to the coast for uh, a romantic getaway. Well, I say romance. There's very little romance involved. Yeah. Um, the the, the main let's, guy. Put, let's put it bluntly: the the the, the couple that have stolen yeah. this car, or really, it's the the boyfriend who's stolen the car. Yeah, the Luca, I think it is. Yeah, uh, there are a couple of actors we should speak about, but essentially, they're just. Uh, she is a virginal teenager who seems to have kind of given her boyfriend the impression that if uh, they were to go to a house by the sea, then she would uh, she would actually yeah. have sex with him. And so that's, that's all he needed. So yeah. he just <laughs> he steals the nearest car and heads to the beach. Yeah, um, let's, let's talk about the actress for just a second because yeah. she's uh, she's worth speaking about. Yeah, Christina Galvo, mm-hmm. who again is uh, Spanish. Yeah, yeah, and uh, she she the earliest role I remember seeing her in was the fantastic film uh, the the house that screamed. Which I highly recommend. Oh, yeah. She's she's mm. one of uh, a large cast of uh, actresses in that who are working their tails off in that film. That's a great movie. She was also in What Have You Done to Solange mm-hmm. and uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. She's very memorable in uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Um, Is that the uh, Manchester Morgue film? Yes, same film. Another same film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, now, you, are you telling me that you've never seen Sex Life in a Women's Prison? Uh, you know what? It's possible, <laughs> but I, I I don't know. The problem I run into is uh, that all They're those films tend to run together for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's done some interesting films. Obviously, Solange is the main one that I recognize her from. Um, but um, yeah, she um, did a lot of films, a lot of... Um, she did some films in the UK as well. Yeah. Solange, I guess, was in the UK, but she did a couple of others in the UK. So yeah, I think she's really good in this. I mean, Troy Howarth is less complimentary of her performance, but I think she played that character really well. Oh, I um, completely agree, yeah. yeah. I think she's very good. Her boyfriend, on the other hand, is a total... Uh, well, I won't use the word I was about to say, because, you know... Well, <laughs> not, that, not that this is a family podcast, but still, he's just horrible. He's, incidentally, he was married to Ornella Muti, um, which is not bad uh but <laughs> yeah, yeah he he was in lisa and the devil as well that's probably where most people recognize him yeah from. he is a beautiful looking man yeah and so he and he has this face that 
you know, if done right, if cast properly, like in something like Lisa and the Devil, you can see him, you, you can kind of project a lot of different things upon yeah. his his facial features, and I think that, that works to good effect in Lisa and the Devil. Is it, um, in, this, in this film, he's just a face that you want to punch. Oh, well, that that comes down to the character, because my goodness, what, what a, he's I mean, horrible. he's a scumbag. Oh, he is, really is. <laughs> well, and, and that brings up something that I think might be worth discussing just briefly here, which is often the the giallo genre can is is construed as being misogynistic, and honestly, sometimes the films work really yes. hard to earn that word uh, as a descriptor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, truly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but honestly, Luca, what I mean, don't get me wrong; he's not he's not the killer. He's not a rapist. He's none of those no. things. But he's just a, a, an opportunistic... You know, he's exactly what you would expect from someone of his age, which is yeah. he's got one thing on his mind. Yeah. That one thing is 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 paramount it's between above his all. legs. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, or or uh, more actually between a woman's legs. Yeah. And so the only thing that he's going to... Uh, the only thing that's going to ever motivate him seems to be just trying to do anything to get into the position where he can actually have sex. Where and he can, so, yeah, where he the, can get this, into a position. <laughs> yes, one of several. But he uh, he definitely oh, seems as he's if he's... a scumbag. He's a scumbag, exactly. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is, he's, he's able to get away with it. You can see why this absolutely gorgeous young woman would be attracted to him because he is incredibly handsome. Yeah. And he's just slick enough to fool her for whatever short period of time they've actually been, you know, together as a couple. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's very interesting because the, the dynamics and the character of the, of the, of the characters here really feel believable, which is kind of, uh, kind of something that's not necessary within this kind of, genre, within no. this kind of genre. It, you don't necessarily need to spend enough time with the characters to feel like you understand how they're together and what they're doing. And, how they kind of interact with each other. But one of the stranger things about this movie is that we spend kind of the middle, middle section of this film yeah. with them a lot. It and suddenly feels like it's a different movie. I, I, it really threw me because I was expecting this George Hilton film. And then suddenly he's like out of the picture for most of the film. For most of the center. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's the end skater at the beginning and he's there at the wrap up when it all, uh, shall we say, comes to a head and yes. then it all, uh, you know, the, the, the centerpiece is de- dealing with, you know, the murderer's problems. <laughs> yeah, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so the, so uh, the I, I just, uh, I think it, it's, it's, it's another one of those things that is, is kind of a swerve from what you would normally expect from this kind of film. But, you know, one of the things that really surprises me about this film is just how far out of the way this movie does go to avoid all of the cliches of the, the giallo genre. First of all, you know, we, we've been talking about this and it would seem obvious to anyone who hasn't even seen the movie. But from the jump, we know who the killer is. We see his face. Yeah. We're yeah. not we're not seeing, you know, mysterious black gloved hands do all these crimes and it becomes a murder mystery. We know who the yeah. murderer is. There's never yeah. any doubt from like the opening 10 minutes of the movie. We know who this mm-hmm. guy is. It feels in some ways like the setup, as well as Hitchcock, it could be Columbo as well. It's more a, <laughs> how are they, it's like the, the story is how are they going to catch him? What's going to, what's going to happen to, mm-hmm. to make all this? Because this is clearly all going to go wrong. Right. Giorgio, Giorgio is not going to get away scot-free. Um, so the, the, the sort of the, the thrill comes from knowing how that's all going to play out. Yeah. How is this going to unravel? And also I we've think got, it's. No, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that I think that it's also kind of a bit of a shock in that most of the time, you know, it, another thing it dispenses with is the whole uh, uh, per- person under suspicion who, you know, isn't actually a policeman or a detective who has to find, you know, who has to explore this whole problem that he's involved in and actually solve the murder themselves. That's that's not there's no that's nowhere near this. That's has yeah. nothing to do with this. That's true. There's really basically no detective work in this movie. No, the, the, the main the, the main detective just sits back and waits for it to all fall to bits because he <laughs> has got it figured out from the yeah. beginning. He has yeah. he is latched on to what turns out to be absolutely the truth, and in like, yeah. like you say, in most cases, the you know wife turns rich wife turns up dead. It's probably the husband. Yeah, but the uh, 
that that's another thing that where it kind of t- this film turns the the genre on its head in that often in shallows you won't even see the police <laughs> i mean there that's may true. be there's maybe like a couple of moments with the cops and then they're they're out of the center of the story because we're focused on other things and but in this movie the the cops are or, or even worse than that sometimes the cops are just you know idiots or they or they won't turn loose of uh uh their their thoughts on who actually is the killer is and and we know we know they're wrong because we're we're following this character and we know that he can't be the killer in this the the cops are smart <laughs> the detective the the inspector played by Eduardo Fajardo he he he's figured it out pretty much from the beginning and he's just trying to figure out how he's going to catch the guy I mean, in some ways, you could say he's the spider. He he just sits still in the middle and lets the bad guys get themselves caught. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad way to look at it either, yeah. because that that way you can almost see three characters within the movie who can almost be seen to be spiders. Yeah, and there's only like one simple. I mean, it's a quite a small cast, really. There's only a few characters involved, and there's only and Laura who we've just talked about, Christina Galbo, she's the only sympathetic one in all of them. True. The rest the rest of them kind of all get what's coming to them in, in some way or other. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I think we've... I don't want to talk any more about the plot. We've, we've established enough there that the killer has got to go off after Laura and Luca. They've st- stolen inadvertently stolen a car with a body in the trunk. Meanwhile, Giorgio yes. is back at home just waiting for that all-important call that supposed to come through from the kidnappers he's starting to wonder whether something has gone wrong because the kidnappers haven't called the detective is increasingly suspicious and just sits there waiting for it to all fall apart and uh, and we just get to watch so yeah I think this is great I've never seen it before and, and I'm really glad that I did and it does make me surprised that Luigi Cozzi didn't make any more but I suppose as we've established the time by this time there were so many of these films, yeah. and we and we know that Kotsi really wanted to make fantasy movies and sci-fi. I think that's where his heart really was. So maybe maybe it was his own choice not to make any more. But but this is I don't think this is great. I highly recommend this for uh, for everybody who hasn't seen it. Oh yeah, definitely. This is um, this is an exceptional little film, and it, and it's the perfect movie to watch if you think you've seen you know you you you're, you're, you think you've seen whatever you the, the giallo genre can throw at you. You, you this one plays it up it, it plays it up and does some different things that you, you just aren't expecting and uh that that's that's one of the joys of the genre is it's it's such a strong genre that even a film that that really kind of just walks away from some of the the most basic conventions of it can still be one and still be really effectively uh exciting and fit within the genre and really feel like the kind of thing that you're going, I mean, regardless of anything else, even if you decided that you're going to be hidebound about the, the, the genre definition and say that this, this really doesn't fit the giallo thing because it is so, it does play against so many of the, of the conventions of the genre, then Hey, still it's a hell of a thriller. It's a really effective movie. And it's so, it's so sure footed in what it's doing. Uh, it's tight. It's mean. There's, I mean, there's almost no fat on this. But no. it, what, the the things that that can seem to confound some viewers that I've that I've noticed over the years is that weird period in the middle where the uh, the killer is trying to trying to chase down the people who the couple who stole in his car, and it yeah. is such a weird turn from this kind of movie that it seems to to make some people who really love the genre feel like it kind of does something that doesn't work and i'm like no man that's just that is just incredibly effective stuff yeah no it's great one thing just to mention as well just before we finish the the film so apparently uh, cozy wanted to call it the uh, the spider but the, it was the distributors who came up with a much more jello sounding title the killer must kill again which is does it's the ultimate jello title but the actual italian if you the direct translation from the italian is the killer is forced to kill again which I think adds a slightly different perspective on it because the killer must kill again just makes it sound like it's a psycho who can't help himself. But the the killer is forced to kill again is more fitting to the plot yeah. because he's kind of bl- being blackmailed into uh, killing again rather than 
just being an unhinged serial killer. So the, the title is slightly misleading, I think, from that point of view. And I think that the idea of him, he's kind of having to be a killer again. It's almost like he doesn't want to kill all these people. He just has to, he has to keep doing it to fix his mess. Well, um, I mean, and that is true. I mean, that's one of the, the more amusing things about this is that um, if you play the game, well, if, if the, when he's doing away with that body at the beginning, or what if that's the first time he's ever killed anybody? <laughs> you know, what if that is, you know, what, what if it was, I mean, he, it's clear that the, the, he's put, he's arranging this so that it looks like the woman, you know, uh, if they find it was, you know, was behind the wheel of the car. And it's clearly her car. He's, he's getting rid of her in her own car. So he's, he's trying to cover his tracks effectively here. And the thing is, of course, there are things that mitigate against the, that idea because he's perfectly willing to go along with this. But, uh, I just wanted to ask real quick, uh, Kotze admits that, uh, he, that the, he kind of, this is the story of this is kind of an expansion of an episode of the doors, the, the door, uh, in the darkness, Oh, right, the, yeah. the, the TV series the, mm-hmm. that he did uh, that, that uh, Argento Argento was kind of the host of and mm-hmm. uh, different directors did a couple of episodes. Yeah. And uh, it's an anthology TV series, essentially. So it was, but the episode that Coetzee did himself was called The Neighbor. And this is a, a ten, essentially just an expansion of that. Uh, okay. with, uh, but but at the same time. Uh, I, here's what's terrible. Have you seen it? Because I have, I have no. it, I have it, and I haven't watched it. And I intended to, but at the same time, I thought, well, no, I don't, I don't want to. I, I kind of want to talk about this film as a piece and not have that earlier reference thing to kind of cloud my judgment on, you know, what what we discuss in this. But have you, have you, have you no, seen? No, I haven't seen any of those. Is that available commercially then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, uh, Door to Darkness. At least it was released on DVD. Okay. Um, um, darn, I can't. It was a while back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the, so they have been made commercially available with an English option. Uh, I think it's subtitled. But okay. uh, it would, yeah, I think it would have to be subtitled. Yeah. But the, well, uh, I'll check it out. Yeah, I'm 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 curious. Here in the next little while, I'm going to have to watch it just to see what the, um, you know, just how close, you know, just how much of an expansion it is. Because uh, supposedly this is also kind of inspired by a novel. Um, right. Uh, by Giorgio, uh, well, I think it's Serbianini. I don't know. It's it's an Italian name, and I'm going to screw it up. I'm not going to try. <laughs> but uh, so essentially, he's kind of he seems to be taking uh, bits and pieces from here and there. And like I say, there's right. a, he did a commentary track on the the old Mondo DVD, and he's he's admitting in in, in every instance, like uh, like when the killer uh, brings the body out of the house and puts it in the in the back of the car. Um, he's going, yeah, 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 that's, that's the Frankenstein shot. That's, you know, the, the monster right. holding the, the, the passed out victim and, 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 and walking toward the camera. And he's, okay. he's, he's, he's referencing all of the little Hitchcock nods here and there. He references a lot of other, uh, mm. little, little things, uh, within the movie as well. Um, where he's, I thought I was thinking it was a, uh, blood and black lace reference, but, uh, no, he's, it's always going to go back to those those classic yeah. black and white horror no, films. That's, or yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, well, I think it's a strong start to our Luigi Cozzi uh, mini season. We're going to take ourselves, like this film, we're going to take a left turn with the next one. We're going to have a look at Luigi Cozzi's um, reinterpretation of Godzilla. Hmm. Now, is that one that you've ever seen before? No, I have not. Uh, okay. I, I've, I've never been. Um, one, once I discovered the uncut Japanese versions of all the Godzilla films, the uh, the American yeah. the American versions kind of always found a way to be pale in my vision. Sure. So yeah, it'll be interesting to. I'm going to watch both of them to uh, to fully appreciate. So <laughs> yeah, Cozy did a sort of colorized and edited. But anyway, we'll talk about that. So that's what we're going to have a look at next time, just to see what. Luigi Cozzi was up to and then we'll finish out the season with a double bill of Hercules films and um, and then hopefully all being well an interview with the man himself so this will take us up until probably up until and just past Christmas and then we'll begin the new year with a post-apocalypse season that uh, we're also all lo- uh, looking forward to um, but yeah I think uh, I think that's everything we can say 
about the kill and must kill again. So thank you, Rod, for uh, your insight and experience that you brought to that one. Oh, I loved. I, I'm shocked that I haven't talked about this movie before. So thanks oh, for the opportunity. Oh, good. Good, no problem. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we're glad to be back. Uh, do subscribe if you haven't. Give us a review on whichever platform you listen to us on. Uh, Podchaser is another nice platform to put reviews on if you want to leave one there. Uh, what else should we say? Um, oh, you can make us... We're very grateful to the donations that we've received so far. If you want to donate, there is a coffee button uh, on our webpage and also on the in the show notes if you'd like to buy us a, co- a virtual coffee. And uh, that's about all, I think. So until next time, thank you for listening and uh, bye for now. Bye for now, folks. I really don't know how to end these things. (laughs) You're doing fine. There is no correct way other than hitting stop. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.